Good morning, everyone. It is Office Hours Friday edition with Mike Mamula, Dave Marino, and of course, our great guest, Chris Kinnick. Wait till you guys hear about uh, Chris. He's the founder and CEO of Smart Cups. Um, and somehow he was born into the quantum future uh, at a very early age. Chris, you know, you guys have developed an unbelievable technology. Um, it, it doesn't even seem real to me. You guys have the world's first printed beverage, Smart Cups. Um, but you started really young with some sort of innate need to figure out uh, research and, and vision. And uh, how early did you start imagining the future? <laughs> well, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, thank you for those kind words. I, I, I took my first uh, college chemistry class when I was 10 years old. I started working in a lab when I was 12. At 14, I started doing research at Rutgers yeah. University. Can I just tell you, this is like so up Marino's alley. Do you see him? It's the first time I've ever seen him smile, like right off the bat. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Miles and Chris should just hang out. Exactly. Chris, he, he's uh, right in my backyard, so we all can hang out. So it'd be perfect. Yeah, Go ahead, Chris. I, I've known you for, for a couple of years, Dave, and I, I want to talk about that because when I met you, I had no idea I was going to be – I never had intentions of being an entrepreneur or a businessman. I mean, so, you know, it's interesting how life evolves and how things change. But, you know, 14, I went to Rutgers, did research there. Uh, then, are you a Rutgers guy? <laughs> yes, I'm telling you, there are no coincidences, you man. You were, bo you were born to be here today. Yeah, uh, I went to Harvard and studied at Harvard for a period of time. You lost me Mike there. Mike ain't a Harvard guy. <laughs> you lost me there. I'm out. Uh, all, my, all my siblings are cheering right now. Nice. Uh, I actually, I ended up graduating from Cornell. Um, and uh, at, at 18, I worked on a NASA-funded project in the aerospace department at Rutgers, developing biologically-based nanorobots. Yeah, and... I'm still a high school student, you know, so I go to Cornell, I'm American Chemical Society scholar. At 19, I decide, you know what, I'm living my life for other people. I'm not living my life for myself. I want to be a stand-up comic. So I was a stand-up comic for about seven years. Um, I, I did the circuit in New York, um, did all the improvs, went overseas. I had TV show deals. I was really one of the first people to figure out how to manipulate, or I, I hate to say manipulate, but uh, leverage social media uh, for monetary gain and self-promotion at a time where if you self-promoted yourself on Facebook, Zuckerberg himself would send you a message and said, this is not the intention. When you had like a, a, an Ivy League uh, email, uh, that's how you got in. And so I've been kicked off of Facebook three times personally by Zuckerberg. <laughs> so uh, I'm proud of that one. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's my backstory, but Science, it's, it's, it's weird because I just had this conversation with someone the other day. Science, I didn't grow up like where we live right now, Dave. You know, I, I grew up in the projects. Both my parents are immigrants. Neither one of them went to college. Um, and so uh, science was kind of like my way out. And I, I was having this conversation with an athlete and I go, so, you know, you played football, you got into the pros and then you just quit. 
he goes, yeah, well, I made my money and now I can go do whatever it is I want to do. And I said, well, it's kind of my thing with science. You know, it's just so happens that science keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And so, yeah, the only difference is, unfortunately for us, football is not in everything. Science yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Chris, that 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 resonates with me so well. And I remember those ads back in the day that they would uh, post in uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs in the inner cities of New York that would say, basketball is my anti-drug. Uh, science is my anti-drug. Math yeah. is my anti-drug. The, the things that try to keep the kids off the street. Your, yeah. your story is, is, is amazing and you're a great motivation. And I'm going to take the easy way out because I'm just so curious about smart cups and 3D printing and the science behind it. And I'm going to just ask you to explain to all of us what exactly you guys are up to and how it works and, and how it will change uh, in your eyes, the industry moving forward. Yeah. So uh, smart cups is a sustainability driven technology solution. It's taken me some time to really evolve that and really understand what it is. It's just not a cool empty cup where you add water to it and instantly you get something. So what we have is the ability to print active and flavor materials on any substrate. And so <clears throat> there's an amphiphilic uh, uh, plant-based uh, proprietary polymer that we use to create a shell around the ingredients. And it does a really nice job of adhering on surfaces. When that shell, it, it rejects water and it accepts water when the outer shell it comes in contact with with a liquid water um it releases there's a self-stirring mechanism um, that's included in the formulation that allows a homogeneous mixture so there's no mixing you get the the <clears throat> the, the the ingredients in, in a consistent format uh the technology was initially developed uh to help patients who suffer from dysphagia and elderly and children. So it's a, it's a drug delivery system, but I commercialized it. it, it there's precise, accurate dosing at a pharmaceutical level that we're able to accomplish. I commercialized it in the beverage industry because it was low as hanging fruit, but I didn't have $100 million to go through FDA clinical studies and, and prove out new drugs with this delivery format. And so I went into, okay, what's, what's the easiest category to go into? Energy drinks. Okay, that'll have a really good proof of concept for me. I can print caffeine, amino acids, vitamins, the flavor profile, and, 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 and show what the technology is capable of. And so we did that in early 2018. And in 2021, we're at the tail end of a multi-year manufacturing engineering project to scale up our production capabilities. Um, and we're doing projects right now for the largest pharmaceutical companies, the largest consumer product companies, um, some of the largest companies that I'm not able to say their names, but we're working on some projects for those guys. And so projects like mouthwash, uh, pain relievers. Um, I, I, I sold uh, the, the license to print cannabis to Mike Tyson's cannabis company. As part of that deal, they brought me on board as their chief science officer. That's what, that's, so, what I'm with, that's what I'm with here. We're speaking. I'm the, the opening keynote. He's the closing. So I'll say hi. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so th there, there's a lot of applications to this. Now, th what's the innate benefit to the technology is there's a reduction of storage and transportation requirements, which will result in a reduction of overall carbon emissions. And there's all this data around what plastics and emissions does on the environment, but not really on what liquid transportation does on the environment. 
Um, you know, we've spent so much over the last couple decades in creating infrastructure for clean water around the world. Why do we continue to ship liquid? And so I really wanted to study that. So I partnered with UCLA's uh, Institute of Environment and Sustainability. And they just finished a research project that should get published here in the next couple months. Uh, Smart Cups technology allows for a 600% reduction of transportation requirements. So let's say there's a thousand trucks that need to deliver uh, items out to the world. And now subtract 600 trucks from that. Um, and because of that, there's a 40-fold reduction of carbon emissions. And they did, they did a thing, they did a comparison. We're so, I guess, environmentally friendly that when comparing traditional bottles and cans in a solar panel truck and smart cups in a diesel truck, we actually make diesel more environmentally friendly and sustainable than, than a solar panel truck. And so I'm sure that the solar panel people don't want to hear that. But I'm sure there's some oil people in Texas that are in Saudi Arabia that are really excited about that one. So, you know, that's I uh, love that, Chris. I, uh, you know, I see the similarities and the differences. Chris graduated from Rutgers and he went on to build robots for NASA. And I graduated from Rutgers and went on into the nightlife scene running around New York with a microphone in my hands hosting parties. So, Chris, you, you made the right choices. And, and but that brings me back to my question, which is and here I am still with a microphone in front of my face. And, and when my buddy, who was a, a big time DJ back then in New York, handed me a microphone for the first time, he said, here, go make it a party in front of 2000 people. I didn't know what to do. I didn't see that in myself. And I started to do it and I started to learn about myself. And I love what you said about you didn't start out to be an entrepreneur, but now look where you are. Right. Look at the technology that you're using. Look what you're doing in terms of your product and, and the, the positive impact it has on the environment. Incredible things. So when when did that happen? When was that aha moment that, holy cow, wait, I am an entrepreneur. And what things have you learned about yourself as a result of this incredible journey? Yeah. Um, the aha, I guess when I first started Smart Cups was back in 2011 at a Taco Tuesday because the waitress wasn't coming fast enough with a margarita. And the next day I grabbed, I, I, you know, when that happened, I said to myself, oh, how awesome would it be? I had a glass of water on the table. How awesome would it be if I had like a crystal light pack and I could just dump it in the water? And I was like, oh, shit, why hasn't anybody done that before? So I grabbed the napkin. I started writing out a protocol. And next day I grabbed the bottle Everclear, some maltodextrin. I had a frying pan, some coffee filters. I made the crudest format of a spray dryer. I blew up my kitchen. But I was able to make three different flavors <laughs> of powdered alcohol. I pissed off my wife, and but I, I was able to make the three different flavors. And that led me down a path. Um, right. and, and here I am today. But during that process, it hasn't been easy. You know, there, there's a lot of setbacks, a lot of people kicking you in the nuts. A lot of people, I mean, early on, people are telling me, I'm explaining the technology to them. And people are going, I don't get it. What's the benefit? I, this is the dumbest idea ever. I think my wife, it's 2021. I think my wife still doesn't know what the fuck it is I do. <laughs> or what's the benefit? She just knows the bills get paid. Right. So, um, and so it's just no one, what I've learned. And so like in my office, I mean, I've got like quotes from Biggie. I've got quotes from Rocky. Nobody cares about, yeah, I got, got it right there. That's, you know, so. That's the same one I got. <laughs> and I got, yeah, and I got Biggie, you know, so 
it's, I never thought that my life would be like this. I think that I'm dealing with house money right now. I have a poor kid from New Jersey, grew out right outside of Manhattan. I It's house money. And I moved to California in 2007 because I was going to be on Real World and, and right after a tour of all the improvs. I was like 22, 23 years old. And I said, I need to stay here. I've only lived in our town. And I said, I need to stay here. I need to figure out how I'm going to stay here. That was it. You know, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm just a schmuck trying to make a buck. And, but I feel like I have a responsibility because of my gifts to make an impact on the world that I need to figure out a way on how to leave a lasting impression that helps other people. Um, because it's not just by chance. You know, if, if, if I were to say, you know what, F this, and I'm just going to make as much money as possible and screw everything. I think I would be abusing a gift that was given to me because it, it's, it's not, it's surreal. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. I mean, this story, we got to do, uh, more, uh, with you in understanding all the nuances because it's completely, you know, we, we don't even have time to talk about the seven years as a stand-up comedian in New York city wow. and how somebody with your academic and intellectual, you know, capabilities with the greatest schools, you know, minus Rutgers, uh, on earth. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> where the hell did I go um, so <laughs> just real quick we got people in the green room but I, you had mentioned you and I uh, you know uh, got together or, or met a couple of years ago in, in the impact of or a shift in the vision I'm curious how that worked just for my own uh, knowledge because if in any way I've served as a part of this journey because you are going to change the world talk about a Meltzer 1000 to impact a thousand to impact a thousand to be happy you know you're a general uh you know what impact is uh have I had or how did I have impact on you Chris I will I will say this um when I first met you I was very green right this was years ago and I mean I, th I think it's almost a decade yeah. I, I was very very green when I met you for the first time and all I know is how to hustle and how to push and, and I am excitable and things. So almost to this day, if I see you in public, I'm like, ah, I cringe a little bit inside because it's like, ah, I'm almost a little embarrassed about how I interacted with you. <laughs> you, 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 you genuinely look like you wanted to help me and, and you had some, some ideas. And, and, and I, I just like, man, I just was not prepared for that. And so I, I sometimes will look back. You know, I'm talking to the, some of the biggest CEOs of some of the biggest companies on a daily basis right now. You know, some very influential people. You know, I'm probably at the top of my game, if you want to call it that. But if this was 10 years ago when I was talking to you, and I always think about it, I go, man, I'm embarrassed of myself. <laughs> so I always think about that. And that's made me better because I, I, I always think back and I'm like, shit, you know, I really wasn't prepared or ready for that. And I, I look back at interactions like the ones I had with you. And I was just like, I didn't know what my ask was. Right. I wasn't clear about what my direction was. I just knew I wanted to make something happen. Right. And so being a little bit more mature and now, you know, having more children and it, it, the whole perspective perspective has, has changed. But that that interaction, our early interactions, really did set in my head. Um, even when I you see you at the gym, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, shit," you know, <laughs> I'd be like, "Fuck that guy." 
he thinks I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> oh yeah, right. That's what uh, I love. Yeah. You know, so interesting. You know, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the next guest and have you back on, Chris, to some other stuff as well. But it's you know when you're born into something. See, everyone has capabilities like Chris, and he was blessed for whatever reason not to have any interferences between it at a very young age. He most people start suppressing that when they're really young. You know, there there's an innate uh, intelligence. There's an innate being, and it doesn't necessarily always be in science. Some guys have it in sports, and I, I think sports are easier to recognize, and they're they're less suppressed. So, you know, when someone has this great gift of athleticism, people rejoice in it. Where a lot of times, you know, even when we're married with kids, you know, people still are trying to suppress our genius, which is our expression of God, our innate being. And I think you're a great example of that and you know i do want to get into the comedy side because i think that also you know shows that you your superpower is you don't allow others to suppress your genius so you know you had harvard cornell rutgers scientific you know prodigy and yet you didn't let people suppress you when you're like you know what i'm gonna try this instead and and enjoy my journey my consistent persistent pursuit so uh, dude, we got to get back together. <clears throat> Do not be embarrassed. I'm surprised anybody ever watching me work out would be afraid to come up to me and be embarrassed. That's the intimidating factor. That's right. <laughs> oh, all right, man. All Chris right. Tonic, he is the founder of uh, Smart Cups and just a genius. That means he expresses God better than most of us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure. <laughs> I can talk to Chris forever in a day. Yeah, dude. So well, I mean, he has so much in common with us, too. I mean, not the Harvard Columbia stuff. I mean, Cornell yeah. stuff, but the Rutgers and the the other stuff. He Like, he just passed over it real fast that, oh, yeah, well, so I'm, I'm a complete prodigy and genius, you know, Harvard. And Zuckerberg's, like, telling me to get off Facebook because it's not for promotion. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy's made billions of dollars promoting not only himself, but other people within the context. It, what? Like, there's so much there that we could unpack to start. Uh, well, let's bring Leon on. Leon Gorin, he is the CEO of PEO Leadership. Um, and the Leadership Boot Camp is now available with Leon uh, and uh, part of Tiger 21, too, which is a great organization. Uh, and uh, been there. there he is. What does it say there? Connect, think, and grow with PEO. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How are you, Leon? That rhymed. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, ho- hopefully, you got to hear a little bit of Chris because uh, that was one of the more interesting journeys we've ever had on here. Yeah, no, I, I caught the end of it. Uh, it was it was great. Well, thanks, David. Nice to meet you, gentlemen. Nice to meet like you. Well, let's start off at the obvious. You know, leadership is becoming more and more important uh, as a business, and in the self development wellness space, people are taking on uh, different leadership roles and different definitions of leadership. So I always like to start with people who help leaders to understand how they define a leader. Yeah. So, well, leadership is all about leading people and helping people and supporting them and trying to elevate their game and trying to get them where that, what they define as success, right? Moving along the journey with them. And uh, I think you, you opened well, David, I think it is probably tougher today than it has been in the past, given what's what's happened in this world in the last 18 months. It's really, it's really redefined leadership and really sort of brought out those leaders uh, that are excelling. And we've watched a whole bunch of leaders sort of fall to the side that were sort of just 
running a momentum or just carrying on. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. And I want to touch on a little bit some of the earlier part of your career because I think it's important to talk about where you went and how you apply those things to PE or leadership. And you, like our good friend David Meltzer, had some early, early success in the internet and the dot-com and one of the biggest things I, I, I regret is not being older, so I could have been a dot com guy like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but right, so you can so you can lose that later. <laughs> uh, but I digress. I mean, just white shirts. I, I think the name in and of itself is genius. Um, I, I love when products specifically are are, are a mass appealed to everyone versus just like this little niche group. So I I've went on the side. I see it's about quality dress shirts. But I want to know, what was it about being the founder or CEO of one of those early online companies in Canada? What lessons did you learn that you've implemented into your leadership program now? Oh, my God. A bunch. <laughs> so let, let me start with, we were never going to be an internet company. I started as a catalog company. I was working out of Boston. And uh, at heart, I'm an entrepreneur. I may be a CPA, CA. I was working for the big four or big six at the time. Oh, my God. Sorry. No problem. Uh, but uh, always been an entrepreneur at the uh, at the heart of it. So I would tell you, as an entrepreneur, the the biggest thing, and coming from the accounting world, because when you start in an accounting world, you start in what we used to call these bullpens. There'd be twenty of you starting at the same time. You're all accounts. You're driving towards your CPA, and it's fantastic. And an incredible learning base uh, in terms of what business is all about. But one of the things I noticed was the fear. So you're comfortable, you're learning, you got a set path. And to be able to pull out of that in the early days, like once you qualify, took a lot of guts. And in our case, you know, in my case, I was almost innately, I, I, I needed to do something different and I was willing to take the risk. I left a lot of people behind at that time who continued on with their, with their journey there. But just white shirts, I, I tell people today as an entrepreneur, follow your gut a little bit. I mean, things are... There's a lot of risk. You got to manage risk, um, but you got to take a chance once in a while to, to try and to get there. And and as we went through on Just White Shirts, I can tell you a couple of quick stories. I mean, we started with 800 shirts, so I started really small, very small. They thought I was crazy in China going, you want me to manufacture 800 shirts? How am I going to manufacture 800 shirts? We make thousands here. But I explained to them the idea and they took a risk with us. But big learnings, one is you got to understand cash flow. If you're an entrepreneur, you really need to understand where the cash is coming in, where the cash is going out. I know we're all strapped when you're starting up a business, but you got to be able to manage it. And I think the second big lesson I had in the internet.com part was when cash is available, and you got to remember in 1999, 2000, internet stock, you know, internet was crazy. People were willing to invest in it. Take the money. <laughs> yeah. Don't start talking back and figuring out, well, this is the plan. Uh, no, you're crazy. I'm not going to be a billion dollar company. Take the money, build your war chest. You'll have opportunities later on to spend it. And uh, look at that, that's look a big lesson for myself. Look at Zuckerberg. He took all the money and he wasn't going to allow people to promote themselves on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Leon, so, congratulations. Congratulations. With with PEO leadership, I want to go back to the age-old question of nature versus nurture yeah. in terms of leadership. And and I love it. I think you're doing a 60-day free trial for Leadership Bootcamp, which is extremely exciting. How much of 
being a leader is nature versus nurture and and how does that impact the way that you create great leaders well i think everybody has the ability to be a leader within themselves right i, I think it's it's a great question i think it's it's a question in terms of drive guts and saying this is what i want to strive for and sort of laying it out on the line communicating it out there because you know when you communicate something you're more more likely to actually push forward on that. But in terms of learning this stuff, this isn't rocket science. I mean, when I think about leadership and those great leaders, there's a couple of characteristics that typically stand out. One is, yes, they take risk, but they're also managing risk at the same time. They have a, an ability to sort of look forward and envision in terms of where this company can go. So they look forward about five years. That's their number one job. Their second job, the second most important job for a leader is really, how am I going to inspire and engage my people? And so those are traits. You can actually, or character, you can actually teach people that, right? Like I, I talk about active listening. I know we're not all wired that. Some of us are like ADT, we can't sit still, especially entrepreneurs. But I think people can be taught that. They can understand. They got to walk through it a little bit. They got to see the results of being able to sit down, being able to actively listen to somebody. And that's why I sort of opened and said COVID sort of brought that upon us because there was so much stress, so much uncertainty. As a leader, you needed to be there. You need to be present. And so not just listening, I needed to actively listen to what was on the minds of those individuals that were working with us. You know, and some of it was business, absolutely, but some of it was personal, like they had challenges at home. And to me, those are great strengths of a leader. And um, at PEO, we've done a couple of things. In my early days, I brought a 360 into play here. So, you know, we meet in advisory boards. We get together. The door closes. We bring the issues and opportunities that we're all facing. And we leverage of wisdom. And, and even before that, we tend to sit with these leaders and we sort of develop a roadmap of what success looks like. So I hear these roadmaps. We talk, we talk about business, health, wealth, family, career. They lay out what success is. Let's say it's December 31st, 2022. We go through the year in our advisory board. We're pushing back, helping each other. But it's interesting. Every year I sit with them and I said, how do we do? Did you accomplish what we did? Many of them, absolutely. Are you happy? Many of them, absolutely. A lot of them not. So you think about why aren't you happy? Why didn't you accomplish some of this stuff? And it comes down to leadership. So I brought this 360 to the group. So everybody did this. And really what it did was just look at the behaviors that they were driving into their executive team. So most of these executive teams were between three and 10 individuals. They were coming back and sort of giving them ideas around what types of behaviors they were instilling in that team. Um, and we were asking the leader themselves in terms of step out of your role, give us the ideal behaviors you think you should display within the org. And the gaps were absolutely amazing. Then I had actually them to share the gaps among themselves in an advisory board, which is kind of unheard of. Most of these people do 360, they shove it in their desk and they never talk about it. Um, so each one got up for an hour and they started talking about these gaps. And you wouldn't believe, you, you want to instill change among leaders because here's a peer group. You're putting, you're, these guys are already leaders, they're successful. But now we're comparing each other a little bit and we're trying to learn from each other. And now we're creating peer pressure. So comes out, I'm a micromanager. I use power. <laughs> I drive my people. And people turn around and say, Leon, 
you don't show that in this meeting. What are you doing in your office that's creating that type of environment? Because we know that's not a great environment. Are you creating competition among your people? So those are tools that actually allow you to sort of change leadership, help leaders sort of move forward. And I say they're only tools because I think what's very important is the conversation that's got to happen, right? You got to talk about it. It's not just shoving it in your desk if you really, if you really want to learn. Sorry, I'm rambling. Sorry, Mike. That was I great. No, that was great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. Just to finish up, and uh, you know, I mentioned Tiger Twenty One, and it seems you've taken a lot of the concepts to the masses and being able to to facilitate that. The one thing that comes to mind as we finish up is just the idea of a leader is an intelligent follower, uh, and you mentioned the other, an active listener. One of the things of a leader is they're usually very powerful in their personalities, which makes them either an interrupter where all they do is interrupt you or uh, they're worse, which I call a waiter where they're hyper intelligent and active. So all they're doing is uh, doing something else, waiting to tell you what they think. So they're not actively listening at all. And I see many leaders within my organization and others doing that all the time. I had a COO, uh, Derek Shaw. He was probably the biggest waiter I've ever met in my life. He literally would just, as you were, you could, he wasn't even, uh, you know, trying to pretend to listen. <laughs> um, but but an active listener allows you to be an intelligent follower. And I think uh, a lot of people can't create that blend of, wait a second, I'm supposed to be driving people, micromanaging them, motivating them, inspiring them. What do you mean an intelligent follower? And what you just described at PEO Leadership, the camp, all the things you do to connect, think, and grow are really attributes of being an intelligent follower and uh, thank you so much for allowing people to understand how to truly lead and to create that growth uh, that everyone wants. Uh, people can find you uh, best at PEO, is it leadership? Yeah, okay. it's PEO-leadership.com. And um, thanks for talking about the 68 trial. It's a great opportunity for, you know, people don't understand the benefits of an advisory board, right? They don't understand the benefits of just sitting around the table with, a diversified group of leaders and really trying to help each other in real time, not just case studies. And um, that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to get back to the community that way too, in terms of sharing. And you are. And I love the fact, you know, everybody take notes and don't put them in your drawer, actually use them. So our brains cannot handle all the stuff that we remember. So take notes and use them. That's a, a great lesson as well. Leon Gorin, of course, CEO of PEO Leadership Connection can grow. Thanks for joining us. Come back and visit us, man. Say hi to all my friends at Tiger 21. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Leon. Thank you. All right. Last but not least, we have the man, the myth, Robert Mixon coming on. He is the senior executive leader and founding partner of Level 5 Associates, level5associates.com. He's Major General Robert W. Mixon Jr., if that's not a great Army commander's name, I don't know what is. As always, uh, Robert, number one, thank you for coming on our show. And more importantly, thank you for your service and your leadership. And uh, what a great lead in uh, to have Leon because you've just published your new ebook on leadership. Who saw this coming? Now, what do we do? Uh, and it's available at your website, Level 5 Associates. Robert, I'm going to ask you a question because I know you're going to ask us a question. Uh, but what do we do? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I think what we have to do, David, and, and as leaders, uh, we have to adapt. You know, we can't go back to a world that was. We have to adapt to the world that we're in. And I think that's where, you know, I have six leadership principles that I use as my standard. Again, not rocket science, as we talked about earlier. But uh, we've got to adapt those principles to our behaviors, to lead people the way they deserve to be led. I love that. I, I love also that you bring up, as we spoke about earlier, rocket science. What this show is taking on a talk about level five. We're now at a whole different level talking with the Ivy Leaguers and rocket scientists uh, here on Office Hours. You know, leadership is easy. Uh, smart cups seems a little bit above my pay grade, as they say, <laughs> in the military. Right. <laughs> anyway, Robert, I want to congratulate you on the book, and I can't wait to read it myself. I'm going to go to your website right after this, level5associates.com, and get it. But do you have a question uh, for us three? I do. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to ask for your thoughts on where you think opportunity resides for us as leaders. You know, where is that opportunity ahead of us? Many people wring their hands, you know, about the conditions we're in, about the hybrid world of leadership and operations. But I'd like to know where, where you see opportunity. Perfect. Who's going first? My yeah, team. I'll go first. Okay. All right, David. Yeah. Now, for for me, I think <clears throat> I've seen I've seen it firsthand with with some of the leaders that are on this uh, chat, and you know, uh, from things I've done, I think there's a lot of opportunities to to do online courses and online leadership coaching uh, post COVID. I think there's a lot of it. It also makes the world a lot smaller. There there are companies uh, abroad and in other places that are looking for talented leaders that can help guide them and bring a different perspective. And historically. We, we didn't have those opportunities. So I think uh, a lot of the online sort of uh, virtual appearances in leadership is one 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 trend that I think will continue uh, long, long standing because it's also a lot cheaper. And <laughs> yeah, true. Thanks. Hi, Robert. Thank you again for your service and, and everything. I, I echo everything that David said. Um, yeah. And I just want to build on what David Moreno said. I, I think the easiest answer and it's it sounds so cliche, but opportunity is everywhere. And I think with most people, uh, it escapes them because like Dave Meltzer said, they're not taking notes. They're not paying attention. So many people are caught up in the day to day to realize like it's, you know, that you go back and you look and the people that have really made a difference in the world and in themselves or both have taken, have seized that opportunity that might be fleeting just from a, a chance encounter on, on a sidewalk as you're walking your dog or anything. But they use that as an opportunity to go do something, change direction, sell more books, build better cups at a diner, you know, when he's scratching it out on a napkin for the first time time. So I think as cliche as it sounds, opportunity is really everywhere. And like Dave said, a lot with technology now, it's just about us taking advantage of those opportunities as they come by each day, whereas a lot of people don't because they're too busy or distracted or otherwise. And Robert, you know, to take what David and Mike said to the next level, if opportunity is everywhere, everything is connected, then we have to look within. And this is where I think the true opportunity is. This is where people succeeded uh, in COVID and the pandemic is uh, the opportunities that exist are within you. And so for me, I have five daily practices myself that I take to do an inventory of myself because what I want to do to maximize the opportunities. So if opportunities are everywhere, we want to maximize the opportunities that are most aligned, you know, with, for example, you know, our, our friend Chris, you know, if he would have stayed a comedian, that would have been terrific. But he would not be taking advantage of the opportunities that are aligned with what? His skills, 
his knowledge of what and who and his desire. Now, he may have had an earning desire that he must be what he can be as a stand-up comedian, but his skills and knowledge would have been wasted, not utilized in their potential as a leader, not utilized as a potential to align with, find how they're supplementary or synergistic to bigger and greater impactful opportunities with purpose, passion, and profitability. And so I think as leaders and as people, because everyone's a leader uh, within their own context, we have to look within, take inventory of our skills, our knowledge of who and what, and our desire, and see what's doing well today, and align it with what's doing well, or align it with our values, personal experiential giving and receiving values to see how we can maximize our skills, our capabilities that are aligned with what's doing well, what's stable, or like with Chris, again, what we think will be doing well in the future. And so many people are looking outside of us for what is inside of us. So many people are attaching their emotions to an outcome instead of to the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential. And I think it's really important. And you raise this, you know, with your book, you know, what do we do now? We look within, we look within to the only thing we have control of. We have control of our mindset, our heart set, and what we think, say, do believe understanding. And I think Chris, again, is a great example, understanding our capabilities. You were born a leader the same way Chris was born a scientific genius. Uh, and, what happens is we suppress that a lot of times, right? People will tell you, be quiet, do this. Well, we, we have to align it with our quantum being besides what we think, say, do, and believe with the great potential that we're born with. Some are scientists, some are musicians, some are athletes, so, you know, some are teachers, some are mentors, some are coaches, Wh whatever it is. I think it's so important. You're not going to find outside of you what your quantum nature is, what your potential is. So, I applaud you once again and also thank you uh, for being a great leader of our country, uh, for helping so many people. And then even later on your journey now, sharing that wisdom and experience the, via your ebook with everyone so that they can, you know, I'm, I'm a big one, two, three, four guy. Uh, so I love the fact that you have your six things. Uh, nothing I teach is rocket science either. Are there seven or six? Six. Yeah. Six. Okay, good. Uh, it's still, it's still early for me, but I'm a numbers person, uh, quantum in my nature. Uh, I, I so appreciate it. Uh, let everybody know where they can uh, go and get your ebook. Yeah. Go to the, my website is level five associates.com spell out the five and, uh, you can download the ebook there. Uh, see the blogs that I write every other week or participate in the conversation and the journey of leadership that we're all on. Thanks, David. Thanks. Thank you, Mike, David. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for your service, Robert. Wish you well. Wish Thank you well. You likewise. Come back. Awesome. All right. Takeaway of the day. Mr. Marino, you are up. Knock it out of the park. Yeah. Well, besides the sun moving so much and trying to move around that, but uh, all jokes better aside. Better than the rain. Better than the rain. Way better than rain. I love the sun. It's so good for you. It's healthy. <laughs> Makes me feel great. Feels like I'm in California almost. But my, my takeaway for today is definitely the upward spiral. Like we hear so much about the downward spiral and then we hear about these success stories about how people were here and now they're way up here. Well, the journey up is not straight either. If you think about Chris, he's talking about blowing up his kitchen before he figures out how to make the, the powdered alcohol. Leon's talking about, you know, his, his dot-com company, all of the lessons he learned in leadership and how to build a company before he actually was able to do that, you know, a little bit more scot-free. So for, for me, it's stay the course. The process is going to be difficult. There are going to be things that will knock you off your game. It's how you get back to center. 
uh, on that journey of upward spiral. Yeah, and just to elaborate on that, you know, we all know the this, this, this saying that life is about the journey, not the destination. But I like to to build on that a bit and say that a fulfilling life is about the journey of self-discovery. And Dave, you just talked about it. So it's about, like Chris said and Leon talked about and Robert alluded to, you know, trusting your intuition, trusting your gut. That's your higher self speaking to you. And as much as we want to get as much information from others externally to help guide us, Ultimately, like you said, Dave, all of the answers are inside. And if we listen to that, we don't let the fear and shame and uh, everything else of others, the external factors stop us, then we're, we're all capable of incredible potential, incredible things. And so it's listen to that. Go on that journey of self-discovery. That's how you're going to change yourself and change the world. Awesome, guys. My, mine's genius uh, because I think we had three uh, displays of genius in their own right, uh, as we had Chris and Leon and Robert. Genius is the expression of God. You know, just being born, you're the luckiest person. Uh, it, it takes, it, it's, talk about a lottery winner. You know, every single person that's born on earth is trillions to one. That's the chances of you being born. And yet we lose and, you know, we are not grateful. We take for granted what other people dream of, life alone. And so I think, you know, all three of these great entrepreneurs display to me genius and their willingness to express their genius, right? Our genius is the expression of God coming through us for others. God is what we have inside of us, that spirit. Uh, but you need to identify the mindset, the heart set, and utilize the conscious continuum in order to effectuate that genius. And all of us, from the time we're born, which is, you know, an amazing lottery winner, we're suppressed. We're laughed at, scoffed at, made fun of and if you express your genius and allow it to come through you they will applaud you so genius is my takeaway for today uh, i appreciate both of you i'll see you guys soon clubhouse starts in 17 minutes uh, we got the takeaway of the week clubhouse at 6 a.m pacific time uh, 9 a.m eastern time and 8 a.m central time since i'm here in chicago with mike tyson remember mike. you don't know anything until you get punched in the face <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. And, You're a genius, Dave. Thanks, guys. What do you got, Mikey? I, I wanted to say, isn't <clears throat> congratulations in order? Isn't there something happening tonight? Is there tonight. a release? Is there a release coming up of one of your shows or a premiere, a promotion? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Two Minute Drill comes uh, every Friday. Uh, Bloomberg, you check it out. Amazon yes. is on there. Uh, two Minute Drill, $50,000 of cash surprises. I got so much Super going on, today. Mikey. So I'm exciting. Like, I'm just so excited to get to be here at the uh, OSP convention yes. here in Chicago with Mike Tyson and Badu. And oh, wait, Jakey, who's working me out tomorrow morning? Uh, Mike will probably know this guy. Coach Wade. Coach Wade uh, be here at 6 a.m. working me out tomorrow. And so uh, <laughs> we got Badu, Amir, the you know kickboxing champion, undefeated, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Mike Tyson. So I've challenged them all pay-per-view, though. So I'm, not, I'm not getting beat up for free. And I promise, Jake Paul, you want a piece of me? I got the Paul brothers. That's no problem. $100 million, I will go in that ring for no problem anytime. Iron Dave Meltzer. All right, guys. I'll see you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Express your genius. Share your love. We're here on Office Hours with extraordinary guests, extraordinary ideas. Allow your possibilities to become probabilities. Your probabilities, your perspective. You can see three different amazing human beings today, all expressing their genius. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self.
and do good deeds. We'll see you in 15 minutes on Clubhouse. Thank you.